Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. It's our fifth year of Oscar episodes with panels of film industry professionals discussing the nominees and their category of expertise. Today, we're talking about makeup and hairstyling, and I've got returning guests. Angela Nagaro, you've been a film industry makeup artist for more than 30 years, and your credits include Griselda, Alias, and Why Women Kill. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you, Skid. Also, Avon Dapati Kupka, you've been an industry hairstylist also for more than 30 years, and your credits include The Grinch, Planet of the Apes, and the new Joker film coming out later this year. Welcome back. Thanks, Skid. Good to see you. Hi, Angela. Hello, Yvonne. Nice to see you, too. Listeners, if you want to learn more about these ladies, I suggest you visit imdb.com, search for Below the Line, find this episode, and click on the names of my guests. Their credits will pull up and you can see what else they've done. Okay, here we go. The 2023 nominees for makeup and hairstyling are Golda, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Society of the Snow. We're going to discuss them in that order, and spoilers are possible, so consider this a warning. Again, with a note worth repeating, while recognizing our below-the-line compatriots by name, I occasionally mispronounce some of them. If you ladies notice that I get anything wrong, please correct me on the spot. We want to do as best we can. All right, let's start today's conversation with Golda. At the nominated team is Karen Hartley-Thomas, Susie Battersby, and Ashra Kelly-Blue. What do you ladies think about Golda? I thought the makeup was impeccable. And more than even her face, which blew me away, were her legs. And the prostheses that they put on her legs for the swelling of her ankles and just the the, the thickness of her legs, I thought, blew me away. Down to detail. I thought Golda's makeup uh, and hairstyling was impeccable. I really do. Um I don't have a lot to say about it because emotionally attached to it, I'm, I am not, but um, I think the work was impeccable and the recognition is a good thing that happened for this team of people that made this happen. Agreed. It's one of the movies that I saw because it got nominated. And when I went into it, I honestly didn't read anything or even look at the poster that much. And I didn't recognize Helen Byrne to their credit. Like yeah. I really... Once I knew she was, there were certain things that came through, but up front, uh, she was transformed. Uh huh. I think that Yvonne and I agree that this year, all big contenders, and it's gonna it's gonna be a challenge figuring out who gets it this year because everybody's work is on par. We're gonna have the same thing to say with every name you go through. We're gonna be like, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think on a movie like this where? Obviously, the Golda character, played by Helen Martin, is so central. Does it carry the film or are there aspects of the side characters, the supporting character that you thought was equally transformative? Well, honestly, equally transformative is probably a stretch given the nature of the primary transformation. But other things you noticed that maybe folks wouldn't, but because you're looking at the hair and makeup, jumped out at you. Well, it's period appropriate. Everything was spot on. Um it didn't do the same for me as the snow movie did uh, as far as the amount of what had to happen to make this movie go. She's like the star. It's her. It's her. It's Golda. And um, 
having seen the story before, I think I think Helen is amazing and that she's a brilliant actress, number one, because you can put prosthetics on people and, you know, they can get the accent wrong. They can do a lot of things that don't match up with this amazing work that's happened because I've seen that happen too. But uh, the work is impeccable. And I don't think that all the other characters, I, I think it was more of a, a Golda movie for me. It was. It's also, it's a very small movie. I mean, if you think about it, it's Golda, her other female assistant, and then all men. Yeah. The haircuts were appropriate, but there's not really any other transformations besides Helen Mirren. Yeah. Not taking away from that because it was a magnificent transformation, but it doesn't showcase really much more than her, which I think is going to not work to their advantage. Yeah. Because of the immensity of all the other pieces that we're going to talk about. Correct. It's harder to put them in. It's almost like sometimes there has to be separate categories, you know, to really make it happen instead of just honing in on one thing. And if you include effects and the hair work and this and that, the other movies outweigh the immensity of work put into a film. So, yeah, it, that's an important factor that it was a small movie and hard to put it up against Maestro with hundreds of BG, period appropriate, with Oppenheimer, with hundreds of background people and a hundred actors, you know, uh, working at any given time in and out and having to keep doing that stuff. So it's... It's not in the same wheelhouse, although the work is in the same wheelhouse for her. Correct. Let's dive deeper into some of those other films. Next on our list is Maestro, and the nominated team is Kazuhiro, Kei Georgiou, and Lori McCoy-Bell. Am I getting Kay's last name right, or did I make a mess of it? Yes, Georgiou. Thanks. She did The Joker also last year uh, after Oppenheimer. the work on Maestro blew my mind. It, I, it really did. I, I didn't see any faults, but uh, you know that doesn't mean there weren't any. But um, the fact still remains: all of the work is so impeccable. These close-ups on Bradley Cooper sweating and doing this whole concert thing were like wow. And the transition. Um, what I found so intriguing was. There was a small movie uh, quite a few years ago ago, uh, with Kevin Kline, and um, it was called De Lovely, and it was about Cole Porter's life. Um, And there were were reminiscences of stuff pulled from that movie and how it was presented and going from black and white to color and back again to black and white was that was also amazing to me so the cinematography as an overall picture all of the stuff had me kind of in awe uh the work on carrie mulligan and her aging um was like it was remarkable to watch this you know long span of aging and done kind of impeccably um, in every detail. And, you know, like I say, there are sometimes flaws and mistakes that we all make because of our humanness. Uh, They still won't get a computer to do it better because it looks fake. But anyway, (laughs) 
um, you know, we have all the uh, the AI artists now on Instagram and everything else doing their stuff. So to see the actual physical work that went into it and having been, you know, doing work beside all these people for years, I'm super impressed with Maestro. And I, I like Angela, it's going to be hard this year to really hone in and pick one winner above all because each movie including maestro has its own set of like wow you know what they had to do to make this happen so angela and i working behind the camera know and you too also skid know about when you work behind the camera there is so much going on to make this whole thing come together so to sit in a movie theater and see that on the screen it was quite remarkable to me. I was very impressed. Plus, of course, you know, everything about it, the beautiful music, the the costuming, the everything was like made it a whole visual. And that to me is like movie making perfection. When you look at something and it's like, you're there, you're kind of in it for a while. And then you can pull, you go, oh, I'm watching a movie. Oh, this is like, I'm in it. You know, I like, I loved it. I thought it was a fabulous movie and deserving to be in contention for an Academy Award for sure. I agree. It's Kazu. I mean, there's not really much more that you can say. Uh-huh. I mean, it's in, in that world, it's sort of like Meryl Streep. Like, has she, she could blow her nose and she deserves to be nominated. I mean, yeah. like, he's sort of in that category. Yeah. Unfortunately, again, it's, you know, you're going to have, you've got, you've got hard judging this year because you've got two, I'm trying to think, two or three realistic transformations. You've got, you know, fantastic, fantastical transformations on another movie. Then you've got realism with not a prosthetic world transformation and, I don't actually know how you would judge any of these this year, but his work is magnificent. Bradley Cooper looks magnificent. Um, she looks magnificent. She was all she blew me away on a whole nother level for her acting skill and what she brought to that project to begin with. The hair was beautiful. It did. It told a complete story. So I'm very much on the same page with Yvonne on that one. The third film on our list, uh, another period drama, Oppenheimer. And the nominated team is Lisa Abel. Uh, this, this was a huge movie with a lot, a lot of work. The work is amazing. Like all the other contenders, the work is remarkable. Um, I don't have a lot to say because my, it, it was not my favorite uh, for a few various reasons, the telling of a horrible end of the world possibility with these bombs made and everything else. But uh, taking that away, uh, the work is impeccable. And I don't have a huge amount of things to say other than they did such an amazing job at keeping this film in order and all the work that went into it is there up on the screen. It I don't feel the same about watching it and that's not to say that all the work isn't brilliant including you know the work of 
lighting and sound and all of this. Um, I'm curious to see who takes sound also in all of these things, because these are all really hard movies to fine tune and pick one out of. Um, but uh, it's a brilliant movie. You know, all, all the all the boxes are checked, um, but it wasn't the one that did it for me. So I just, you know, I just want to say the work was impeccable and they do deserve uh, to be recognized. So I'll leave it with that. I'll take the opportunity to plug the podcast. If people are interested in going deeper in those other categories where they've been nominated, we got a whole series of these folks. Check them out. Uh, you find it very interesting. Angela, what did you notice from the makeup side on uh, this on Oppenheimer? You know, they were beautiful. They were beautiful. They transitioned. They aged. Everything was appropriate. Um, you know, there's only one person on that ticket, and it takes more than one person to do a movie of that magnitude. So where is everybody else? That's a question that's going out to whoever. <laughs> However, this, you know, goes on in the Academy, whatever that comes down to. But, you know, there's a lot of people that should be recognized for that sort of that amount of work. Not just one person, though she did an amazing job. Louise's amazing department head and has done amazing, did amazing work. Yeah, it's interesting. Louise is specifically credited as the head of the prosthetic department and the makeup department head, at least according to IMDb. But um, it is unusual. I don't know that I've ever seen in this category only one name be mentioned for makeup and hairstyling. Happened once, but I they will remain unnamed now because it doesn't matter anymore. But it happened before, and I thought it was appalling to leave the icing on the cake off of the ballot. Because, Angela, you know as well as I do, you can do period makeups for any period, gorgeous 1940s makeup, and then have a schlock do uh, plastered on top and there it's gone. So when people say, oh no, it doesn't matter, hair is not important. Uh, this is still a point of contention for me uh, with the Academy that we are not recognized. We're put in at the discretion of makeup artists also to you know, who they include on their team. And um, if they want to include just their makeup people, then that leaves the hair people off the ballot because there's only a certain amount that you can put. Correct. In other awards ceremonies, you have the privilege uh, that they have given to add other names, but you have to go through a lot to get five people on a ballot. Um, and the Academy has not recognized that yet. So, um, yes, it takes a village on every single movie and TV show and whatever is happening. And the department head is the leader of the pack and it starts at the top. And so uh, it's way overdue. And uh, the old um, stories of, well, this is how it was set up. Yeah, it's, these are some of the things that are important to change that we work as a whole unit. Um, I've worked with the most amazing department heads as an I department headed and they were generous and sharing and kind. And if anything came up, everybody was included. Um, and I just think that this um, uh, 
uh, well, it doesn't matter who the decision maker was. This isn't the right decision to leave a team of people off that were crucial to the finishing and completion and actual working of this film. So on that note, I'll peace out on that because I've talked about this before on the podcast uh, about how hair is. Um, I think that we need to start a campaign. Hashtag Oscars no hair. Yeah. I will hashtag it because, yeah. And this is the way of the world too. That's our new social media that you push, you can push things, push things, push things yourself now. You don't need a big machine around you. So we'll leave that uh, sour note of my hair dilemma that I face all the time and go, okay, let's just keep working on this. Maybe the next generation will get it to pass that there is some recognition uh, acknowledgement for the importance of what hair does for a film or a television show. There are some larger issues here. And as you point out, we have discussed them on the show before, not knowing anything about what happened particularly this year and not wanting to take anything away from Louise's work, as you pointed out, Angela, the aging and what's in there is, is impeccable. Not beautiful. Yeah. I will just put out there that on the BAFTA nomination, this film is also on the list. And in addition to Louisa, they listed Jamie Lee McIntosh, Jason Hamer, and Ahu Mofit as the team for the BAFTAs. So that's good. Listeners, take that what you will. And as far as who will we recognize, we're seeing a big picture here on the work, whoever is actually on the Oscar list. Yeah, amazing work. Well, we'll move on to our fourth film. That's Poor Things. And the nominated team is Nadia Stacy, Mark Coulier, and Josh Weston. So as a makeup artist, I'm a big fan of Mark Coulier's. He blows me away every time I see his work. Um, as with Kazu also, I mean, but this, this film took my heart. It's a, it's very different than anything we've seen in a long time. It is so courageous on so many levels. You know, and it's, it's also very hard to judge things that you have an emotional connection to and then those that you don't. You're always going to favor the ones that you connect with emotionally. It's just who we are as human beings, you know what I mean? The work is outstanding. Um, Willem Dafoe's makeups were fabulous. The characters are all on point. And see, I think that's the problem with every movie this year. Every movie conveys in in and concisely the story that they're trying to tell with hair and makeup. So now figuring out who should get this award, they're going to have to sort of extrapolate the work and really start to look definitively at each and every character. You're not going to be able to judge any of these on a whole as a movie because they are so competitively good. You know? I'm, I'm with you. Uh, again, this is a tough year because of the impeccable quality of the work in each instance. But poor things for me was like a new age, magical mystery tour, psychedelic trip, uh, Wizard of Oz kind of in a futuristic, crazy way. Everything about it 
just got me. And I really saw it on a big screen. And I was like, you know, whoa, I was back and forth and whoa. And each thing stood out to the minutia of Mark Ruffalo's hairstyle was like so period appropriate, but also fractured and their performances. The I mean, was Mark Ruffalo nominated? No. I don't know. Anyway, we're talking about makeup and hair, but each performance, Emma Stone is like fearless and amazing in this thing. And, you know, I don't look at social media because there's so many trolls uh, just trolling, hating from their living room, you know, about, I don't like it, it, it. I thought her performance was one of the most courageous ones I've seen in years and innocent and brilliant. The wig work, um, to me, was completely flawless from when she was first made to as she started growing and developing and her hair got longer and longer. The costuming, magical. I mean, who would think that there would be somebody come up like and replace Colleen Atwood's magical mystery, wacky mind of making costumes? Just, you know, this whole accent on the sleeves and it fit with her body movements and her makeup and her hair and all the subtleties. Willem Dafoe, I mean, Marc Poulier, he, he is in the kazoo realm. I mean, those two guys are like, you know, the new age ones that Rick Baker and down the line all were. And it's so refreshing to see how far prosthetics have even come. The realism is beyond. I mean, you know, that movie, The Whale, like, and then we come to this and see this prosthetic stuff was flawless on Willem. So... Um, I was enraptured from the very first frame to the very last frame of Poor Things. And that's hard to do <laughs> for me because I love movies so much and also work in them. So to see this, there was a lot of work that went into that movie. The details were amazing. And again, here we are at another place. I think minutia is what's going to have to start happening now where they start dissecting each piece of the movie in the makeup and hair world to see what really pow pout and that's going to be a hard one it'll be a hard decision to make on who takes I'll, I'll be watching uh kind of with rapture to see who wins this year because i'm so moved by the work that i've seen on screen yvonne going back to your earlier question not only is emma stone nominated as lead actress for poor things, but indeed, Mark Ruffalo was nominated for his performance in a supporting role. So, oh, and uh, to your point, though, this is a case where good. the hair and makeup with both of those performances help carry it to the next level and make it noticeable. And you know, there's certainly, again, as we talk about all the time, there's collaboration work here that makes it worth watching. And you know, we also have to work with all these people when we're testing, when we're doing all this stuff, when we're creating characters with the actor, with the director, then the producers have an idea, then the writers have an idea. And we have to manage and wrangle all of those personalities and then get the actors in your chair and work with all that energy. So this is like finite stuff that goes involved in everything in the background that people just, most people take for granted 
we look at movies and really see things because we've worked in the business a long time. Um, and other people might not see a mistake or might not see it the same way. It's an emotional factor, which helps people to get connected to movies. But also looking at the technical part, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I cannot say enough how in awe I am of the work done this year in every single piece. You know, sometimes it's one or two and you go, oh yeah, that's like great. Are they okay? Yeah, but this was like, wow. Because there was so much work in each movie. So this is, this is a tough one and exciting. I loved that movie. And I think, like I said, it was really, really, really creative courageous, creative. I mean, I, you know, I feel the same way that Yvonne felt. I was in from the first frame and it took me on this fantastical journey and every hair, every hair and makeup was part of that journey. Like none of it took you out. It all helped to tell the story. That's why this is going to be so hard this year. I'm waiting for you to get on to the next movie because I have things to say about that. <laughs> I want to, let's move on to the fifth <laughs> film on our list, Society of the Snow. And the nominated team is Ana Lopez Puigserve. I know I'm making a mess of that. I'm so sorry, Ana. Uh, David Marti and Monsi Ribe. All right, so you need to work on your Spanish a little bit, but not so bad. <laughs> thank, thank you for the thank you for the the cover on that, Angela. I appreciate it. What do you think of this one? So I I thought that this movie was spectacular. I really did. It took me. I mean, it broke my heart, and I know this story. I lived through this story because I was a kid when this all happened. I am thrilled to see a movie like this nominated. Because so frequently, the things that aren't as spectacular as the other four movies with full transformations get overlooked. And I was really glad to see that they appreciated, the Academy appreciated what this movie did and what it said. Even though it's so much more subtle in so many ways and the transformations were not as great, you could not have sold this movie without every snowflake, every ice bit, and every drop of blood. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that their chances of winning, unfortunately, are not going to be great because they are up against, you know, those big transformations that everybody else in the Academy who gets to vote sees and they're going to compare and I don't think that those people are going to appreciate the subtleties of all of those minor things that tell the story and break your heart. You know what I mean? So I think that that's sad, but I do, I do respect the fact that it made it into the top five and it got the kudos that it did deserve. And I thought it was incredibly period accurate from the beginning of that when all of the hair was, and I'm sure Yvonne's got something to say about that, but I mean, it really, they looked, this looked like early 1970s. I bought it. I believed it. This is a movie that surprised me. I was like, snow? What's snow? And then I, I had seen it, I think on, I don't know, wherever it was streaming or something. Uh, and I was like, oh, but... 
This is that movie where the plane crashed with the hockey players, I mean, the soccer players, and they survived and got out of it. And then I said, wait, this is nominated. I've got to sit and watch this whole thing and say, I was mesmerized. The work that went into just climbing up the side of this mountain. I know they had, but they still, they built plane parts and the fuselage and all this stuff still up in the snow in this crazy place where they all had to hike with all this stuff to make everything happen up there. So um, personally, I said earlier, I, I wouldn't want to work on it. I love it because the work is so impeccable, period appropriate from the beginning to the end. Um, they're, process uh losing weight and the subtleties of the makeups that they did to bring them down as they were being broken down and then you know the survival of man was so remarkable to me and yes um and having worked with you know fake snow and ice and all of that stuff it was impeccable work I was in awe that it wasn't full of prosthetics and special effects and all this stuff that it moved the story along like in such a gracious and compassionate way. And it was because of all the details, uh, you know, of everybody, but makeup and hair, that was an intimate thing. This was a family because they were in horrifying trenches together, redoing this actual event that happened which we're all familiar with because we lived through it um but uh again you know the prosthetics world likes to dominate because you know the transformations are like so uh, magical and mystical to uh, people they're like oh wow but um this is again another one that's subtle but perfect and uh, it is good to see a smaller movie that doesn't have all the prosthetics and huge stars. These are all young dudes that they found and trained and did. I mean, watching the documentary about making it was just equally as important to me, which helped me go, oh, my God, this was like one of those Holy Grail movies where people were climbing the mountain with all of their stuff and making this happen in horrible snow and possibilities of avalanches and everything else so that you know that's part of the work that people don't understand they just think everything just magically happens and it doesn't it magically happens because all of the elves are running around in the background um cheering the squad along and making it happen so i'm very impressed and again you know another movie a smaller movie which I feel the same way, unfortunately, might get overlooked because the others are so grand. They're just so grand and big and transformative. And these are subtleties. And, you know, when we did the Majestic, the work that went into the Majestic, it never got recognized for anything. And I was, my husband said, you know why? Because the wig work and all that, it was so good. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, thanks, honey. But he said, it's so subtle. You, They didn't know that we were doing 200 people every single day and uh, that the trailer had 40 people, you know, going, I, it's just like so amazing to me. So, you know, this is where we are and this is how it is. But uh, this year is a tough race and it's exciting. 
um, I've been more excited this year about the films than I have in a while because like I say, usually there's one or two and you go, oh yeah, wow, that's pretty great. But this is like across the board, all of these amazing kind of compilations of what we know as a group and a team of people that come in and just make this magic happen. And uh, it's really nice to see the recognition and the diversity of the teams that are up for awards. You know, it's a very competitive year this year. It's going to be very interesting to see. And and again, you know, we've we've said this. It's like there are years that you're like, okay, that's the winner. It's getting it. Yeah. Because whatever it is, it stands out that much. But this year is going to be like, hmm, I'm not quite sure who's going to get it this year. Yeah. And Me I don't either, think we've ever is. said that here while we've been on your podcast. <laughs> we usually have stronger opinions than that. Folks are looking for us yeah. to pick the winner out of luck this year. Right. Out of luck on picking the direct winner because the the, the work is so impeccable and impressive. I, I just, uh, it really is an honor to be part of this uh, guild that we're in and to see the talent and uh, the amount of work that goes into these projects. Um, as crazy as it can be, it's still, you know, there's nothing quite like really doing it. So kudos, kudos to all of the people that are nominated, really. I mean, their, their work really across the board was outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah. We talked a little bit about before we started recording, and I got the sense that neither of you got to see all that many movies this year. But so our audience isn't left thinking I left it out. I will open the floor. Are there any other 2023 movies that you would recommend for makeup and hairstyling? I have not seen a lot, as I've said to you before, of the things that are going on. I may postscript send you a text telling you Fair. what, what I've caught up on. <laughs> but I haven't seen a lot, unfortunately. And, and we were saying before that we're just inundated. There is such a flood of things to see constantly. It is hard to stay on top of everything. Uh, I will say Napoleon is pretty amazing uh, as a visual uh, the work's pretty great in that too. It's not, um, I don't know, there's a lot in Napoleon going on, a real lot, but it's, you know, it's a war movie. There's, you know, what can I say? Um, and like I said, I started to watch Flowers. It's magnificently beautiful and colorful as a visual. It's like, wow. But I haven't watched the whole movie Um because I get caught up in, do I want to spend two hours watching them destroy the Indians? You know, so it's kind of, I get mixed bags about some of these films that are important. And eventually I watch the whole thing, but I have not watched the whole movie yet. Uh, but as far as visually, it's just magnificent. Um, the opening frames are like paintings, you know, Um Two hours of fun. That would, that would have been a tight short film. It's three and a half hours. You're gonna have to pace yourself. Put that over three or oh four days. <laughs> you you got you still got a lot of movie. To watch ahead them of die slowly. That to watch them all kill them for their oil slowly. That's what the part that made me reticent to sit for any longer. I had to go. Oh, okay, I see where this is going. I've got to. I got to get back in a different mindset so I can actually watch the movie. Um, do you feel it should have been in the nomination category? Oh, uh, good question. Against these five, I think probably not. I mean, again, if you guys had brought it and said there were certain aspects of it that really stepped through, maybe things I didn't notice as a casual observer, 
I had a hard time with the length overall, and I've gone on record thinking I I think this could be a better movie if the technical work had maybe been molded in a different direction overall. The Killers of the Flower Moon, but um, it's out there. You know, when we looked over the short list of other films, I won't call it a recommendation, but I was reminded of the last voyage of the Demeter, which is a vampire story that wasn't in theaters very long about Dracula on the boat. And while I haven't seen it, um, I'm always curious about what makeup and hair can do with those kind of monster stories. And so I may have to walk it back next year, but I am reminded to put that on my list. But again, I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know how it's going to turn out. The last voyage of the Demeter and her, I'll have to look at it myself. Yeah. Let's put a pin in it next year when we open up. We can add extra films, even going back to 2023 that we think people could have missed. But uh, on that note, we're going to call it a wrap. Always love having you ladies here. Thanks so much once again. Yeah, love you. Love you, Angela. Love you too. Nice seeing you guys again. I love our once a year meetups. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to them. (laughs) Me too. Looking forward. Listeners, I always appreciate your feedback. You'll find my contact info at our website, belowtheline1word.biz, that's B-I-Z. Are you enjoying the Oscar episodes? I'm enjoying the Oscar episodes. Please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Closing credits, thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Juan for our logo. The logo is available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. To all of our listeners, I appreciate you. Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends. Thanks again from Below the Line.